You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. And it's another beautiful day here in the Pacific Northwest. And we got to celebrate Veterans Day on Monday, and of course Tuesday was Exploding Whale Day here in in the uh, in Oregon. And for folks outside of Oregon, that was the anniversary of the day 49 years ago of November 12th when the ODOT folks got the bright idea to use dynamite to get rid of a beach whale in Florence. Uh, and it's also a celebration of the unintended consequences of government action as the guy that had his Cadillac crushed by whale blubber can attest to. So we got a lot to talk about today. I was there for the groundbreaking for the comments on MLK, but we have a special guest on online. If you can kind of hear a little background noise, and that's because we have with us today Stephen Sheehan, and he is the owner of Elkhorn Brewery. But the reason we're talking to him is he's also kind of the founder of a group of businesses that have gotten together. And I think it's over 70 now that are part of Eugene Wake Up. And it's a group of people that are, you know, finally kind of had it up to here with the lawlessness that has come along with a certain segment of our homeless population in downtown Eugene. And uh, I'll, I'll turn and, and, and ask uh, Stephen, can you tell us a little bit about um, your background so people know who you are because you have kind of an interesting background of how you ended up in Eugene and and actually your experience with homelessness as, as, as a documentary at one point. Yeah, so uh, hi everyone, Stephen Sheehan. Um, so I went to college in Mississippi Finished and then I went to work worked in New York for the bank and uh, married a divorce attorney from Yale. Um, worked there seven years. Needless to say, the divorce attorney and I got a divorce, and so I decided to travel the country some. And uh, I traveled a bit, and then I got in touch with a guy from Lincoln City that was a friend who knew a friend, and so. He's like, Steve, uh, you want to do some uh, videography work for me? So what I what I want you to do is follow transients. I, it wasn't so much uh, it wasn't the homeless or the unhoused population. I was following transients around the country and how they migrated and where they migrated to. So I, um, I took it on, and I had all kind of hidden cameras and, and uh, microphones, and, and so – 
I wound up at Rainbow Gatherings, which is a big gathering of a lot of people that there's like every kind of every group imaginable out there from Hare Krishna to Buddhists to Christians. And they're all all these people that are show up there are just travelers and, and people that no nomads that roam around the country. And so um I wound up at the first one and then I traveled some more and went to Seattle and and lived in the inner cities with the homeless. I lived with the homeless. I, I wasn't living amongst the transients which usually passed through and they would stay for a while and I would go and I'd camp with the homeless and you found out real quick which areas were safe, which areas weren't safe. Something I've never done I've always been a thrill seeker, so you know, I, I was game to do it and and so I Seattle was a really rough town. Um, there's plenty of uh, plenty of services like the, you, you're not going to go hungry as a homeless or transient or or any of of the unhoused there. You're going to get you're going to get fed regardless. And so then I wound up back in San Francisco, and I I didn't I tried not to use money or credit cards if at all possible, because people would see it and they wouldn't trust me. And so I hitchhiked. I rode buses with groups of um, travelers. I I just I just I got the full experience. So I wound up in San Francisco, and I got a ticket in Golden Gate Park camping. So, you know, I can understand the frustrations of finding a place to stay to sleep sometimes when it comes to the homeless uh or the unhoused but the inner city when you're when you're with when you're in the inner cities it's it's heavy 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 drug use like uh on the outskirts and a lot of the travelers marijuana is probably the biggest thing and alcohol you don't see a lot of the heavy drug use with the travelers or the transients the people that i i was following around but once you get in the inner cities you have inner cities it's transients that sometimes that, that used to be travelers and they and they they get stuck in in a town and the way they get stuck in a town is they get used to it from what I'm just from what I've discovered they get used to it and then they get so hooked on on drugs that then there's no leaving and I feel like a lot of the bigger cities like San Francisco and and Eugene which isn't a bigger city uh, I feel like that's what a lot of the the homeless or transients or unhoused, I feel like they have gotten stuck. It's a vortex because – so back up a little more. I After San Francisco, I, I, I left again, and this is in like a – this is a eight-month period already. Uh, and then the next um, rainbow gathering came around, and it was New, New Mexico. So I wound up in New Mexico, and so I said, well, you know – I know I hear a lot of things about Oregon, so maybe I should go where the guy that's paying me. So there was about three buses. They all lined up at the Rainbow Gathering, and they had lots of people on the buses. Not like school buses. They were just buses that had been converted into RVs. They were like old school buses that had been converted. And uh, I'm like, where is it? where's all those buses going? And they all say, we're going to Eugene, Oregon. Jump on the bus with us and head there. It's like the country fair is about to happen, and... This it's like the place to go, and uh, I said, "Well, is there will there be a lot of 
travelers there and they're like oh yeah yeah it's packed this is we go there every year so that's how i wound up in eugene oregon was i jumped on the bus with a bunch of transients or travelers and that's how i wound up in eugene so i lived on a commune out in no tie i want to uh wound up on a commune out in no tie and and managed the commune still traveled around and i it got too much for me i started dating a young lady that's born and raised here in Eugene. And uh, so I said, this, uh, this is enough. So I gave the guy all the footage and, and, and documents and, and everything I did. And, but then in Eugene, and this was 10 years ago, 11 years ago in Eugene, I noticed, cause I would go over across from Ninkasi and I would sit there and I would listen to, um, the, the the buses. There used to be a lot of buses across the street from Ninkasi, and and we would get the people would bring us out low fields from Ninkasi, and I would get to know the that time that wasn't really homeless. Those were those were travelers, and they would they would bounce around from place to place, and it wasn't so bad. It wasn't you didn't have like I, I could move around Eugene, I could go to the drum circle and, and interview people. It wasn't so bad. It's a Saturday market. Uh, and so I bounced around and ended up stopped. I stopped doing it after about two years and started dating my wife. And then we ended up, uh, couldn't find, well, back up a little more. So I couldn't find a job with my degree. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not the type to rest on my laurels. So I, um, I would go to the slash piles in no tie and, and I would pull out big giant logs that had been sitting there for a while, and I cut 23 cords of wood, and I would deliver them to um, to people, and that's how I made my living until till I till I found my uh, until I found a job. So my dad had a furniture factory back in the south, and so I, I worked for M. Jacobs, and he gave me a job right away since I had a furniture background as well and a business background. And so I worked for him, and I wasn't selling furniture, wasn't wasn't my cup of tea. I've always loved to cook. I have Italian uh, aunt and grandma and everything else, so I love them. I've grown up in the kitchen. So my wife and I said, let's open a little food cart. So we did, and and Michael Schwartz, he was all on board, and so I, I opened it up in his parking lot, and I did really well with it. And we created a following, and I started working at uh, Sun Sun Automotive parking lot over by Beth and Johnny's. Then I worked at Michael Schwartz parking lot. Then I would move it again and do festivals on the weekends. I would do wineries from Sweet Cheeks to Lavelle's to Sarver, and I was I was moving it as much as I could, getting a lot of exposure. And so we did really well with it. Got voted best food cart three years in a row, and then. We were working for the breweries like Ning Coffee, and and so Ning, uh, I said, man, these margins with beer is really, really, really good. So the margins for beer are really good. Let's take the plunge, and we know the restaurant side of it. Let's just go hire a good brewer and take the plunge and open a brewery, open a brewery too. So we did, and we hit the ground running with our brewery. We've been super successful. We've had the support of so many people in Eugene, but We've come the last five years, and our 
uh, the the community of unhoused. And yes, the ones that we've dealt with are, are the unhoused that I have to I have to deal with every morning on a, on a daily basis. And if they're not breaking something to mind, spray painting on my walls, defecating everywhere, cleaning up needles. Uh, I've had to have put security systems everywhere. You know, it's just a constant thing. It's not the it's not the travelers that I knew ten years ago. <clears throat> it's a different crowd. It's gotten it's gotten the ones that have come here now are are violent and 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 they want to break things and that's not that's not the homeless. I'm, I I, t- I totally want to separate the homeless from the lawless people that are doing this destruction because there's some homeless people that really want to get in houses. I'd say I went and interviewed 25 of them and I'm, I'm jumping around here and, you, and we can get more, we can get more to questions and, and, and get more on point or on topic here in a little bit. But I like, I interviewed after my building got destroyed, I went and interviewed 25, <clears throat> uh, 25, unhoused, free-range people, and I went to the 10 cities. I didn't go over there. I didn't go to the mission. I didn't go to the camps on 99. I wanted to hear from the people that I felt like were the ones causing trouble. So I've lived with them before, so I, I wasn't, I, I, I don't, I don't fear, I don't, I'm not fearful around them like a lot of people are, because if you get to know them, and you're honest with them, you, you know, some of them are okay. But this is the first time I felt a lot different around them. I went and interviewed 25 different transients or I don't know what you want to unhoused in these 10 cities. And some of them were some little gang members that ran the whole little communities. And so they tried to jump in real fast before people started talking so I would try to pull away, and these people were meth or heroin. I said, "Well, well, how'd you get here? How'd you get to? How'd you get to Eugene?" Twenty-one out of the twenty-five were not from here. Three of them were from Boise and gotten one-way tickets from Boise, Idaho. Some of them were from Tennessee. Some of them were from Indiana. Three were, two were from Cottage Grove, and one was from Eugene. So totally not like the stats say, like everybody wants to be in a house. Not one person out of all these people said if they had a house, if they could get in a house, they would go live in it. None of these people wanted to live in a house. None of these people that I interviewed. I'm not speaking for the ones at at the mission and and at the Camp Zone 99. Some of those people I'm sure do want to be in. And and but these people did not want to be in. They said they enjoy their freedom. They enjoy the no responsibility. They enjoy that they don't have. They can do drugs and not be in trouble. And they enjoy being with their friends at night. And they love the feeling that meth gives them warm. And they're able to talk to their friends. And they like it. And I said well, one of the guys that wanted to get off meth that I interviewed. I said, what if you could just get like a like a kickstart? He said, Stephen, if I, if I could just. If somebody could force me into treatment for 30 days, I think I could. I think I. I he said I really want to stop this, but I enjoy it too much. And he said, I, but I, but I hate it also. He said I, I really want to get off of it, but I, I need the help. 
I said, well, go to the mission or go to one of these places that, that'll give you help. He said, I can't, Steve. He said, I don't want, I don't want to stop. I said, but you just told me you wanted to stop. He said, I know, but I need to be, I need to be forced or I need to be put into a treatment. I said, well, go, go try to get some help and tell somebody to force you into treatment. I bet you can find somebody to pay for it. He said, unless I, he said, until I start breaking the law, he said, which he probably does. He didn't want to tell me. Until I start breaking the law and get forced into it, he said, I'm not going to do it. I said, well, that's, you know, thank you for being honest. And uh, so this is the people that I've been interviewing. And then I also went and interviewed the lady that runs the, she's been there 25 years, um, the lady at 099. Her name is Roxanne, passionate lady, just loves helping people. Great lady. But her, 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 she doesn't, she's not open-minded when it comes to thinking of, of anything but helping her unhoused. She's not thinking of helping business owners. So her, the way she wanted to help is throw more money, let's open more, open more, open more. And so that was her, that was, that's, that was how she wanted to, you know, that's how she wanted to help. But she's passionate and I, I believe in her and I want to keep in touch with her and, and and work with her because she, the people that do want to transition in, into houses, I'm 100%, 1,000% behind them, and I want to get them help. I want to get them in, into some houses. But it's these lawless little thugs that are breaking our windows that have created this group, Eugene Wake Up. Yeah. And, and so we're fed up. Yeah. yeah. Lawlessness. Yeah, and I and I think you know that's the they're also creating a a climate of fear. Um, you know, I I I was there at um, Togo's, and I was also I also listened to the city council meeting from Tuesday night. Um, and you know, you you heard from that one um, sorority mom. I guess that's what you call them, the the woman that that yep. runs sorority about how her girls, as as she refers to them have to be escorted in and out of the building and how they're going to have to build a fence around the sorority yard because they can't keep the unhoused out of there and they're scaring the, the girls to death. Um, oh, yeah. and, and you heard from the other woman how she was chased from McDonald Theater all the way into the park blocks where she fortunately ran into a security guard for Saturday market there that, that um, stopped the guy from following her. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a level of fear there, but it, it's interesting, you know, I wanted you to talk a little bit about your background because I wanted people to understand that you're not a person that doesn't know the unhoused community and you have some sympathy for the unhoused that are lawful. What your group really is focusing on is the lawlessness of a certain population of the unhoused. It's like a subset. And I want to expand that a little further because there's actually lawlessness even from housed people in downtown Eugene. That recent bust of the house in Whitaker where they arrested seven people that were living in that house. So they're housed, but they found a bicycle chop shop there, all sorts of drugs. How much crime in Whitaker was being created out of that single house and, and other places in downtown, you know, yet that oh, yeah. 
that house had been complained about since 2014, had over 70 calls to that house in five years. Why didn't they bust that house sooner? You know, so it's, it's sort of the same question. It's like somebody has to deal with this lawless aspect. And then when you hear from that guy that talked to you about how he kind of wanted to get off of meth, but he couldn't, he wouldn't do it unless he was forced. So when you're not enforcing the law, when these guys do get lawless, you're actually not being compassionate to them. That guy would like to be arrested and forced into treatment. You know, he is basically right. yep. without saying it. You know, so the compassion, yeah, yeah, compassion would have been, you know, enforce the law, take some of those folks that are addicted, put them into our treatment court. We've got a, a spectacular treatment court here in Lane County. You know, and a great what there's something we refer to as our 416 program, which is a similar treatment court, which has been shown to have just a spectacular success rate from a recent third party independent study of the program. So, you know, I I I agree with the store owners and and the, the citizens that work in downtown and everything about the lawlessness. We have to start doing something there. And I, I, I'm kind of curious, you said you had a, you know, we talked just before you got on the air that you had a very productive meeting with some city officials and local business people today. Um, is there, is there some, some effort going forward out of that meeting or is it just the start of a conversation? Oh yeah. And uh, I don't think, yeah. Um, so we, uh, I, I went to a city council meeting a few nights ago um, and I, I let everybody know too there that that was my last city council meeting and that was Eugene Wake Up's last city council meeting. And I've had so many people say, no, 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 no don't let it be the last. That is not, not the right environment to get things accomplished. Absolutely. I sat there for 30 minutes to try to get there early. I got there an hour early. I got harassed. I got called name after name. I got cursed. And I put up a post about the, the what the guy put on a on a on a unhoused advocate site what he wrote about the I don't know if you've read it yet. Yeah I saw but it. how but what he wrote and how he harassed me, you know, why are these people even the security should have the security guard should have banned him from the even building. He shouldn't have been able to cause he shouldn't even been able to talk. He should have been kicked out and not been able to even be in the building. It's like because nobody's going to go speak freely at those meetings, and everybody doesn't have the support I have right now, so they need to be able to have that meeting to be able to go speak their opinion, but they're not going to if they get harassed before before the meeting. So because we have – it's now up to 100 business owners behind us, and we have a lot of momentum, and now's the time when we get things done. One of the things we talked about is – is the university being more on board with us? So we, we really need to get the university with us, especially when you're hearing house moms talk about this. And, and when they start losing students or, or, or losing recruits or, or losing Olympic trials or world championships, then we're going to start taking more note. But I just I don't know why U of O hasn't joined in more in this whole talk. But today was really, 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 really productive. I wasn't a fan of the meeting the other night, uh, but today 
with Lucy, or, or the mayor, and then uh, Miss Miss um, um, Emily Simple. Uh, em- Emily Simple. Uh, and then George Rohde, um Floyd Brzezanski. It was the uh, Mark Justina. It was the most positive. We got some things accomplished because a communication line was opened with with business owners and uh, with business owners and with um, with uh, with uh, the city council. And I just feel like we got a lot accomplished. And we talked about the easements, and we that was one of the topics of discussion, and I think we're going to get something done there. You'll hear more about it in the next couple of weeks. Um, we talked about um, low-level offenders and getting them to um, uh, g- getting them processed in, in the right direction. Uh, there's a um, there's a a law now which you guys you'll know more about, but that 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 says that people can get out if they can't if, if they can get out of jail immediately if they're not able to go to court or they're not mentally stable to go to court. So we're instead of sending them to a mental institution or a state hospital, we're letting them right out. So it's pretty easy to use that excuse to let out a ton of people that are going to come smash windows and things like that instead of putting in putting them in a jail or in the state hospital so that's a big problem we talked about um and then um we also talked about uh a few other things that i that that's on on the table and i'm not going to bring it up now because i want to get i want to iron it out better before before i bring it up and then like 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 so many people 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 are going to be listening to me now and they're going to say steve we've heard this for 10 years we've heard this for five years i actually feel good about about their about them really doing what they're what they what they say they're going to do i mean actions speak louder than words of course but we'll know we'll know in the next We'll know in the next six to eight months. You know, if somebody if they're gonna if they're gonna do what they say, I guarantee we're gonna follow up. Eugene, wake up! We'll stay on top of this. We'll be a thorn in their side, and we would rather not be a thorn in their side. We would rather be an open table of communication with us. And I feel like I don't feel like it's been that way with business owners. I don't feel like we've been heard. And it took somebody to to get hurt and have a lot of damage done to his building and get angry. For everybody to get behind this whole movement. Yeah, I think. And, people... uh, and I'm and I'm I'm feeling repercussions though. I'm feeling repercussions of it. Uh, you know, I'm taking I'm taking this pain for a lot of business owners, but I'm feeling it. So I hope people come and support us because people are right now. You know, we're we're for the community, and I don't understand what people think that we're not. We are for the community. We're for getting the people that want to be housed housed. But I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling the. I'm 30% down from when this happened because of me coming out and having a stance for 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 the stance I've tried to take take this for a lot of business owners. So I, I hope people will come and support us and show their support. That's how I need support. I need people to support us because we're getting we're getting we're getting smashed right now, uh, and so it's been tough. Yeah. So for all you folks out there, if you're 
if you're in Eugene and you're looking for a place for lunch or dinner, everybody needs to swing by Franklin Boulevard there and stop at Elkhorn Brewery and, you know, have a have a nice adult beverage and a good good burger or some something else off their menu there. And and uh, I've eaten there, by the way. I I I I, I can attest that it's good food and good beer. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, and I I do find it interesting that kind of you've lost some business, but you know I was, you know I've been impressed by listening to some of the other businesses talk about what happened to their bottom line because of the folks that are out front of their businesses, the the gymnastics guy that's lost fifty percent of his gross revenue, um, that one market that's over there. Um, on 13th, where they were in the right away in front of him for a while, lost over 30% of his revenue year to year for that month that they were out there. Um, you know, it, you know, there's an impact to having them there too. So, so, you know, we have to resolve this, but I really wanted you to go over your background somewhat so folks can appreciate, you know, if you're not going to Elkhorn now because Stephen took a stance about the lawlessness people understand you do have compassion for homeless people you lived among them you know so it's not yeah. like understand their experience and you don't have compassion so, so really um i hope people will come back to your business and and not think that this is something that's purely about trying to classify all homeless as lawless because not all homeless are just as there are housed people that are lawless, like those folks in Whitaker. And there's some of this damage, some of this damage being done downtown, which is, you know, housed local youth that are just rampaging, you know? <laughs> so, so you can't right. even blame them all on, on, on the unhoused either. But the fact that this lawlessness against businesses is so tolerated in Eugene has got to stop. You know, you saw Springfield take a strong stance about this, you know, several years back, and they passed some public safety levies. They built a jail. And look which downtown, the Eugene Weekly readers voted as best downtown. It wasn't Eugene. It was Springfield. Why? They've got a vibrant downtown blooming there where people feel safe. You know? Right. Eugene's got to take a page from that. Um, we had a bunch of people in for a board meeting this week to talk about economic development. And at, towards the end of the meeting, I, I noted for everybody, and I got agreement out of most of these people from all these small cities and rural areas around Lane County, that public safety is critical for economic development. That if you don't have a strong public safety system where people feel safe it, and out on the street, it impacts business and your ability to recruit businesses and retain businesses. Um, so, I, oh yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping if we you see. Talk to, um, Go if ahead. You talk to any of the. If you talk to any of the restaurants on my street, uh, us Chula's, Manolas, at eight o'clock, seven thirty, eight o'clock, unless it's like a game or something in town. Our businesses, we've seen a decline the last three, four years because people don't want to go out in our area. That's why the the, the sorority girls say they have to be walked to their car. 
people are fearful for going out late night. I have to walk my employees to their cars. Uh, we have to have like go in groups of threes or fours to their cars. You know, at nighttime, people aren't wanting to come out to to local businesses that have been thriving because they're scared. You know, and that's that's you know, I I love this town. Don't get me wrong. You know, and I've thought about it like Springfield's been looking good to me, but you know, I, I'm so tied in with Oregon track and Oregon football. The university lets me do so much for them, and I'm really con- I have a convenient spot for Oregon track. They eat here weekly, uh, so I I don't want to lose that the tie that I have with the university. But you know, it's if it, if it, it, it keeps on or something doesn't change, I can't stay, and it's, it's, it breaks my heart because I am like, I'm 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 so tied to this spot yeah well hopefully we'll get some change and hopefully people will understand that really um we have to we have to enforce the law and take these people accountable for their actions because actually that can be the start of repairing these people and getting them into treatment they can end up in our drug court in our veterans court, they can end up in our mental health court. The city has a drug court for misdemeanor offenders. They're very effective programs out there that can really change these people's lives. And if you go to the graduations for those things, time and time again, the graduates, when they're giving their turn to speak, will talk about how they would never have taken the, the opportunity to go into treatment. They had to be forced you know, basically with the threat of going to prison to accept treatment, you know, mm-hmm. and just like the gentleman you interviewed. So, Stephen, I want to pause for a second and remind folks that this show does take calls in. If you have a question for myself or Stephen or a comment about this subject, the call-in number is 646-721-9887. And you just press one so we know you want to get on the conversation because occasionally we have people that call and just want to listen on their telephone because they're walking away from their computer. Again, it's 646-721-9887. Just press one and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation here on the Bose Nose Show with your host, Jay Bozovich, Westland County Commissioner, and our special guest this week, Stephen Sheehan, who is the uh, owner and, and uh Restauranter extraordinaire with Elkhorn Brewery and the founder of Eugene Wake Up, uh, a group of now over 100 businesses that are concerned about the lawlessness that's occurring in downtown Eugene. So, Stephen, could you talk a little bit about if there's other businesses that want to get involved in this movement? And particularly, you know, I hear from because I'm a rural commissioner and I cover all the way out to Florence, I hear about this problem all the way out to Florence. Um, is there a way for folks outside of Eugene maybe even to get involved with you guys and get some momentum around this well, group? I need to meet. They just, they just contacted me. They have people way out in every, in, in La, La, let's see, Lorraine, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that sleep in their barn, that pull the RVs, and she's like, how do we get involved, Stephen? It's no, it's not just our our town. It's like all over, you know. And my, I live out in West Eugene, not in the city. And 
we have RVs that pull up in our neighborhood, and 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 I'm not so much minding if you kept your place, kept your RV clean. They're taking the grocery baskets and leaving them. They're making trash all around. And these, I don't, wouldn't say these are unhoused because they live in an RV, but they're they're just making just a such a mess. I have to go clean up after them myself. I wouldn't mind at all if you just clean up after yourself. Uh, but every, there's so many people. Portland's been calling me saying, "Hey, can you come to Portland and start a wake up Portland?" And I'm like, yeah, "I'm having a tough enough time with Eugene. No, I can't come to Portland. I've had Salem calling." Um, one thing we we uh, we there's uh, hundreds of people asking me, "When's your next meeting? When's your next meeting? How can we get involved?" So our next meeting is next Wednesday at six o'clock. I'll post where it's going to be. We hadn't decided yet because it's a it's we don't know if it's going to be have to be a really big spot, but all the like the next meeting now is going to be a productive meeting. Now I feel like it's the five stages of grief. The anger the anger stage is over. Now let's roll our sleeves sleeves up and get to work. So our next meeting, if it's 60, 70 people, then I want I want to go back to my college days and hey we broke break off into in groups and, and have five or six people in each group and we brainstorm some solutions and then we all get back up and then that's the topics. There's not going to be anybody trying to hijack the whole meeting. I don't want, you know, we don't want somebody coming in. I know there's some people now that have been running, want to run for mayor. There's people that want to run for city council and they want to come to meetings and just promote themselves. It's not about that. It's about our com- community as a whole. If you can't come with productive solutions, I want to turn the corner with the group now. I don't want people to just think it's all about ranting about I – want, I want to shed the light on things, but I don't want people to just think it's ranting about how we're getting our buildings destroyed. Now I want to, I want to see some positive, positive solutions and positive change in our community, and, and, and I'm going to stay at it, and I'm going to keep it as positive as I can, and I get so many – so many um, comments on the site. Please, people, please don't comment one way, one way or the other. Like you want to hurt somebody? It's not about that. No, we're not vigilantes. We're not going to hurt people. Don't come on saying there were a bunch of socialist, capitalist pigs. I'm so tired of having to delete 15,000 comments today. It's, it's not about that. And I know we're going to keep getting them. But please try to remain positive on our site like if you're going to come on our site and write something write something positive write a solution you know we're for listening to everybody but we're not going to listen to bullcrap yeah yeah well you know i you know i'm in, in kind of the business of trying to provide some solutions but i can tell you that government's not going to be the end-all solution and having the business community you know dig in and help us is going to be really important you know i came to your meeting I didn't speak and I didn't raise my hand to speak because I was there to listen. And if I come to your next meeting on next Wednesday, I'm trying to think whether I'm free that day, um, it'll be to listen. I want to hear, I want to hear from you all what you think some of the solutions are. We are working on some in conjunction with a lot of partners. Uh, you know, today's uh, groundbreaking for the commons on MLK, you know, involved multiple different agencies, 12 different people providing financing, you know, 12 different organizations that help provide financing for that. Um, and that's just going to help a portion, but it's going to help the portion, I think, that's part of our, our issue here because 
Um, it's intended to house the most chronically homeless, difficult to house people with a lot of case management that'll get them past some of the things like their addictions or their mental health issues and move them on hopefully. So, but that, that project won't open for another 13 months. You know, they've got to be constructed and get up and running and everything. So that's not going to help today. Um, but what, what, what might help today is maybe a little bit of a change in some of the direction that um, City of Eugene might be taking with EPD and, and what their mission is. It also might be that, you know, they've got a revenue stream coming up to expand EPD's manpower rather than wait for that, that tax to start, they could actually take what's called a tax anticipation loan and start hiring people today. You know, so, mm -hmm. you know, there's some things we could probably urge them to do. Um, but it, after they arrest people, there has to be something to do with them. So there's a whole nother part of the system that's sort of got to come along with that. EPD is just the first, the front end. You know, we got to have prosecutors to prosecute. We got to have, you know, court capacity, jail capacity. And, and, you know, if they end up in treatment, the treatment capacity, the, the mental health facilities, and one of the things that we're trying to do right now um, that our, our board set aside a million dollars for is to stand up a mental health crisis center so that some of these folks that are just, you know, basically going through some kind of acute episode of a mental health crisis have some place for EPD to bring them, you know, <laughs> or, or for right. bring them, you know, rather than taking them to our jail where they become a huge liability for our jail folks to deal with because that's one it's right. a horrible place for somebody with a mental illness to be. It's loud, it's clangy, it's bangy, the lights are on 24-7. Um, people usually don't stabilize in jail. <laughs> so You know, they have a hole upstairs that's not even being used, though. Yeah, we, we do have a, a pod that's not being used because we just don't have the resources after the end of um, – some of our timber receipts from the federal government. Uh, yeah, we're, we've been struggling with that for years. And, and that's where you see some of these rural areas like uh, knee-deep cattle. We can't respond when they have somebody sleeping in their barn because our rural patrol is virtually um, almost non-existent at the level right. that we're able, to, we're able to fund it. So yeah, there's some longer term issues around funding and everything we need to take care of. Jay, so, what about our our mental hospital in Junction City? I the the girl that cuts my hair, husband husband works out there, and he's a supervisor out there. And I know we spent a lot of money on that. And I know it's a state-run facility, so we just can't send people from Eugene out there. But there's six empty units out there, big units that aren't even being used. It's like it's just like we have some beds at some of these mental institutions. But we don't have the people to man them, I know, but yeah. man, it's just like there's so much space that seems wasted. Yeah, and that, and part of that is um, when we take people through the criminal justice system and send them up to the state hospital, which a lot of people are being sent up there by the, the city of Eugene's municipal court right now on what they call aid and assist. You know, when they arrest somebody that's that's, you know, having a crisis in downtown Eugene and they bring him into the jail and, and they get, get him in a, a court appearance and the judge sees that that person has no idea even where they are. 
they send them up to the state hospital to, quote, get them stabilized enough to aid and assist in their defense. You know, understand what a courtroom is, you know, who the judge is, who the prosecutor is, who their defense attorney is. Um, and those aid and assist referrals are extremely expensive for the state because once you arrest somebody and send them up there, they lose their Medicaid coverage. So there's no reimbursement for that service. And that costs a lot of money. It's like a $1,200 a night stay in the state hospital. So it's a really expensive way of housing people. And because of that, that loss of revenue, because there's no reimbursement for those folks, uh, OHA can't open the rest of the hospital. So one of the fixes to that actually doesn't lie with either the, the city or the county or the state. It actually lies with the federal government to fix that piece of legislation to, to allow for folks that are pre-trial and haven't actually been convicted not to lose their Medicaid coverage. If there is some form of reimbursement back to the state for housing those people, they could open up more sections of the Junction City Hospital. So there's, uh -huh. even, there's even a piece where we need to get together and be talking to Senator Merkley, Senator Wyden, and Congressman DeFazio about, and there actually is a bill that would would prevent that. You know, once somebody is actually adjudicated and convicted of a crime, then you pull their federal benefits from them. You know, because they're going they're going to a prison or something like that. But you know, they these right. people haven't even been tried yet, but they cut off their 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 federal benefits the moment they get arrested and brought wow, brought that into. Well, doesn't seem like Oregon. It it's not Oregon that's doing it. It's the federal government's rule, and it's one of the reasons. Ah. One of the reasons why our, our medical services in the jail are so expensive that we can't open other portions of the jail. You know, that sucks a lot of money out of our, our jail is, is we're not getting reimbursed from Medicaid for those services we're providing to anyone that's being housed in our jail, pre-trial or post-trial. That's all on the taxpayers of Lane County to provide medical services. So when you do drag somebody in there, that's in full-blown mental health crisis, and and now you're going to, you know, they're addicted to some substance, and they're going to go through withdrawal. The taxpayers are paying for having to keep that person in the medical wing, possibly in 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 uh, solitary confinement to protect other people, and and you know, right. on a suicide watches and everything else. Uh, you know, those are the most difficult to deal with prisoners and create some of the, the biggest lawsuits we have because they tend to hurt themselves. So, But on the, also, too, and that's what we talked about today, it sounds like the city of Eugene is using that clause, though, to let out a lot of people. They're using that clause, saying they're not fit to stand trial, and instead of sending them to the state hospital, they're just letting them out. Yeah. So that's a problem. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, I mean, that's a problem right there. Yeah, and part of it's there's no capacity to get them into the state hospital. You know, we'll, we'll get, you know, they'll, they'll want to refer them to the state hospital, and the state hospital will say, we just don't have a bed for them. And so they end up. And that's what, yeah. Yeah. Like the girl that, like the girl that, that broke my windows the first time, she went to, she's mentally ill, wasn't drugs or anything, mentally ill girl hearing voices from 
all our restaurants on this row. <laughs> and she went to the, and that's why she was trying to break the windows because she heard the voices in, in Manolas and Chulas and us. And so they, she, she, they, she, she went to jail. They let her out. And then this is the same girl that also caused a girl to break her arm when she was going to uh, coming out of jury duty. Same girl didn't do anything to her then, and then now she's finally locked up. And I just got a word from the DA today, and he said uh, she's she's still locked up, and we want you to come to her court date like in the next two weeks. I said, that's fine. So, but that's somebody that should have been locked up, should not have been set free. She should have gone to the state hospital in the first place. And then it would have avoided $8,000 worth of damage to my place. And it would have got her some help. Yeah. And and that's part of getting that mental health crisis center stood up. That may have been where she should have gone the first time. Right. Right. Get her stabilized. Yeah, it, it's yeah, I, I agree with you. And there are some, you know, the state's kind of in sort of a backlash sort of thing, trying to force um, the circuit court and the municipal courts to stop them from sending people to the state hospital because it's hurting their budget. So they're trying to adopt some rules that are going to require Lane County, of all people, even though we're not the ones that sign the checks to the judges that send these folks to the state hospital, but require Lane County mental health to supervise these people if, the, you know, instead of having them in the state hospital system. And our, our, our behavior health folks aren't trained as parole officers, you know? Right, right. They're proposing a solution that's going to actually kind of break the system in some ways because it's also going to create a huge liability for the county where we may not be able to afford to provide mental health services, which, you know, if we can't, if we have to jettison our mental health services, that just makes the whole thing worse. So we have to, we have to not explode the whale as, as this week was exploding whale week and have an unintended consequence of trying to solve one problem about the overload of the state hospital system from these aid and assist referrals from the courts that they they don't have the capacity to handle and it's really expensive. You know, I think the better solution is let's work on the issue at the federal level and allow them to stay on Medicaid so that they get reimbursement and then maybe they can open up more area of the state hospital system to provide the beds. You know, and also maybe right. a revenue stream uh, for the county to do a better job of crisis mental health care. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's a very complex problem, this whole issue of, of homelessness. And I don't, you know, I have to say the city of Eugene's kind of caught in some ways too. There was a court decision I'm sure you're familiar with, um, the Ninth Circuit's Boise. Boise, yep. yeah. Yep. And it's made it very difficult to move people that are sleeping and camping from public spaces unless there's room in a shelter somewhere for them, which we just, we don't have 2,000 shelter beds in Lane County. And we're never going to be able to afford to have that. And that's where the easement thing came in today. And that's going to help us tremendously uh, is, is getting the campers off the concrete as well. So that's yeah. going to be a big help for, for us business owners. And I'm proud that that hopefully gets accomplished. 
from what it sounds like today that that's going to be accomplished, and I feel like already that we've got something done. I mean, uh, that's that's just I feel like it's first first time in five years we actually got something done. And it kind of took, you know, a Molotov, a, a dud Molotov cocktail to set it all off. <laughs> yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, I I don't think people realize just the intent that was there with that woman was so dangerous. And and the story the one woman told of her truck getting a hole drilled in it, the direct siphon the gas and then exploding with two two young men in there getting ready to do a delivery, furniture delivery. Yeah. You know, pe- people may end up being harmed eventually if we don't control this lawlessness in some way. Well, at the city council meeting, too, I don't know if you heard the Alpha towing. Uh, he's our towing as well, and um, he's been with us for a long time. We're good friends with him. He's having to tow these abandoned RVs, and the junkyards won't take it. So it cost him $3,000 just to get rid of these RVs to dispose of them. And he doesn't get reimbursed, so it's costing him a fortune to go when the city asks him to come pick them up or whatever. He's like, I don't want to pick them up anymore because it's costing me a fortune. Yeah, it's a, that's a huge issue, not just for them, but across the state as abandoned RVs, um, and particularly because they've been lived in uh, quite often without a hookup. <laughs> which means they become right. very sanitary very quickly. Um, and they're just, they're rolling, rolling uh, hazmat situations. Um, so we, yeah, that's a real difficult situation to deal with. And one that isn't confined to the, to alpha towing in the city of Eugene, it's particularly bad out in rural areas where they get abandoned on, on rural roadways and, and, been a problem for the BLM and the Forest Service because they're getting abandoned out on forest roads, um, and no one wants to tow them anymore because they can't get rid of them. Uh, no one claims them. They just end up being a, a liability uh, more than anything, and something you know takes up storage space. Well, all of my all my favorite hiking out in Cottage Grove at Rail on Rail Road out there with all the parks. There's so many of them in the track. I go try to clean up the tracks myself when I go for a hike, um, because they're making they're 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 having so much uh, trash out there. I'm like, and and there's abandoned RVs out there, and I mean, when it comes to my hiking and like, I'm a big I'm for the environment and men there like, it, it, that's another that's a whole other issue. Yeah, yeah. There's an environmental impact to homelessness too. That that. Oh yeah, and sort of the knee-jerk reaction this summer was that ban on camping along the rivers uh, and on on the islands uh, in the Willamette River. Um, so, Stephen, we're getting down to about five minutes left in the show. Is there something that that we haven't covered yet that you wanted to get to um, with Wake Up Eugene or Eugene Wake Up? I always get it backwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh... No, yeah, the only reason to, to yeah, the, the only reason the name came is when I was so upset in my rant on my Facebook page that I said it a million times, Eugene, wake up. So that's where the name came from. But anyway, yeah. the only thing that I say to everybody is let's turn the corner to of like like I don't want people to think that Eugene Wake Up is a negative group, that we're just here to 
to condemn the homeless. We are so for the homeless. We're so for getting them housed. We we I'm a compassionate person. I I can I consider myself a Christian. I know that I don't know if I can say that on here, but I'm a Christian, and so I I'm in, a compassionate yeah, person. You can say almost anything on this show because we're internet radio, not quite the FCC. <laughs> and I, I just, I believe in helping people and giving them a second chance. It's the lawlessness. I don't care who it is, the housed, the unhoused, that's destroying the fabric of our town, our community, our businesses that we're done with. We're sick and tired of it, and we're we're gonna keep we're gonna keep at this. Um, we're going to stay on top of it. Our momentum is strong, and we will not let up. Good. And I just, you know, as long as people always remember, and, and you're good at reminding people of this, you know, that a lot of these people that are that are being lawless are very broken people. And there's, you know, oh, yeah. there's repair to do there. And like you said, that one guy told you point blank that he wanted to get off of Beth, but he would never voluntarily get off of it. He would ha- he's going to have to be forced to. Um, and and it, it reflects exactly, I don't know if you ever watched the Seattle is Dying uh, video out of Como. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was told the exact same thing by the, the homeless population in Seattle, that you know drugs are so powerful and that addiction can be so powerful with people that they literally have to have a big stick held over them to force them into treatment. But some treatment is so effective, particularly with opiates. There's so many medically assisted uh, treatment um, that is just so effective for opiates. So it's, it's, you, it's sad that we were not being compassionate by holding people accountable for criminal behavior. Right. And Jay, it's not just, it's not just getting them off of the drugs. We also have to give them some self-worth, self-worth. Because yeah. if they, even when they get off the drugs, if they, if they still feel worthless, if we can't just hold their hand and like tell them, you know, hey, it's gonna get better. Give, I've given so many people jobs from the sponsors place here, the people transitioning out of prison. I'm big into prison reform, and I am so for that, and just giving people some self worth. I think that's a big issue too with the people that are recovering. Yeah, because you know. Most of those people, the addiction's usually a symptom of some trauma or other issue in their life, and you have to get to those, some of those underlying issues. And one of them is self-worth. Um, and we, you know, we have a huge uh, suicide epidemic with, with our teenagers right now, and it's about making people feel like they're valued and people care about it. Oh yeah. And I think that's a big thing. And I really appreciate that you work with sponsors. Um, you know, Paul Solomon's a friend of mine. They're a great group. And uh, they do some fantastic work in, in our, with our justice system and, and helping people get back reintegrated. Um, and they're, they're, their work has been proven by studies to be very, very effective in getting people right. back. To feet. And, you know, these people that are chronically homeless and the folks that are lawless like that, they cost us taxpayers and society through emergency room visits, arrests, and everything else. 
so much money a year that when we fix those people, we're saving a lot of money. So it's, it's, it's not only compassionate to, to hold them accountable, it's actually, you know, fiscally conservative to ultimately hold them accountable. So with that, Stephen, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And, and thank you for standing up. I'm going to make a point of getting down there for lunch sometime uh, and, and supporting your business, uh, Elkhorn Brewery. Everyone else listening to the show should think about doing the same thing. One of the things that helps with making a place feel safe is if there are more people there. So let's all right. ask the people down there to uh, Elkhorn Brewery and Madola's and uh, the other um, restaurants along that area. Chula's, Chula's, yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, I'll let you go. I know you've got a busy evening planned, and uh, we'll be back next week with the Bose Nose Show here live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Thank you for listening, everybody.